Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have a remarkable guest joining us Angela Preda. Welcome to the show Angela. Thanks very much Avik. I'm really happy to be here. Lovely, lovely. So Angela before we start uh, discussing on the topic today I'd love to mention this to all of our listeners that Angela is a seasoned uh, holistic nutritionist and kinologist from Toronto, Canada. and with over 30 years of experience in the clinical kinology and uh, the entrepreneurship so angela has a wealth of knowledge to share with us so recently like she made a significant shift in her career like transitioning like from uh, clinical practice to focus on her online uh, continuing education venture first line education so her dedication to empowering the students in kinesiology uh, and uh, exercise uh, physiology is evident through the diverse range of courses her team has developed so beyond her role uh, as an educator she also imparts her uh, wisdom in the business marketing the entrepreneurship to graduate the students at prestigious institutions like uh, humber college and the university of toronto so her journey in the health and the business realms is nothing sort of remarkable however her story is more than just a professional achievements like she faced a serious health condition in 2022 and 23 that uh, led to a profound shift in her life and the career perspective and today angela is here to share her complex journey uh, filled with the highs and the lows successes and the challenges partnerships and the transformations so whether you are a seasoned entrepreneur or someone aspiring to launch your own venture in the healthcare sector angela's insights and the experiences are bound to offer valuable lessons and the inspiration So let's dive into this conversation with Angela on navigating the twists and turns of entrepreneurship. So welcome to the show again, Angela. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here. Lovely, lovely. So uh, to start with, like, if you can share more about your journey from a clinical kinesiologist to a entrepreneur in the education space. Sure. How much time do we have? <laughs> I think. Uh... I think I started um in university. I went to the University of Waterloo in in Waterloo, uh Canada, and I had the chance to go through co-op terms there throughout my 5 years. Some of the terms were 4 months long, some of them were 8 months long, and it gave me gave me a real chance to explore the broad uh, discipline of kinesiology and understand where I wanted to land. 
And what I loved most was the sports medicine, the clinical exercise physiology, that area of kinesiology. And I was lucky enough to find an opportunity to start my own fitness and rehabilitation center in a small town about two and a half hours northeast of Toronto. And I decided to jump on it. And I was able to rent a windowless 400 square foot space behind an elevator shaft in a medical building and try to figure out what this whole kinesiology thing was. And that gave me a safe place, or so I thought, <laughs> to try a bunch of different things. So I worked with um, auto insurers. I worked with uh, workers' compensation. I worked in occupational rehabilitation, vocational rehabilitation, um, office and industrial ergonomics, and sports medicine as well and uh, also developed a small fitness center there, the only one in town, so that was kind of fun, and taught exercise classes. I was able to shake the trees in the small town and find anyone and everyone with a kinesiology degree to come and work with me. So I had teachers, police officers, um, and I had uh, others that were able to join me and train to become personal trainers and fitness leaders. So we did that for about five years, and then I moved to Toronto, and I moved into a little bit more of the occupational rehabilitation space, doing functional evaluations for insurers, just to help people get back to work, understand a match between their personal ability and the demands of their job. And I found I really liked working one-on-one -on -one with people for a long amount of time. So I left that area of kinesiology, purchased a personal training business that a friend had offered, and and working with clients um, pretty much full-time, one-on-one in their homes and condo gyms, connected with a physiotherapy clinic as well in downtown Toronto, and uh, worked as a group, um, got quite busy, had to hire kinesiology consultants to work with me, and uh, did that for a number of years, and then branched out again into occupational rehabilitation but working with um, kinesiology consultants across Canada. And uh, after a number of years there, got very overwhelmed and decided to go back with working on only my own clients and um, specialized there in working with clients who were older adults. I love to work with clients who are over 80 and I specialized with adults uh, at that time between 84 and 102. And that was very, very rewarding. And I landed doing that probably for the next, oh, 15 years or so, and got busy again, hiring uh, kinesiologists and decided to start an education company because I was training the kinesiologists on the same material over and over again. So I formalized that training information into a series of courses and taught in person for many, many years trained uh, consultants to work with me as instructors, which was a lot of fun. We're still a close group to this day. And um, took the courses online in 2019 ahead of the pandemic. So I was ready when things went sideways. Right. And then started teaching for Sheridan College, Humber College, University of Toronto. And uh, as, I, as you mentioned, just recently left my private client business and now I'm focusing on the online education company and uh, my teaching at the colleges and universities. Wow. So it's a lot of things. <laughs> it's a quick overview. 
So, so you also mentioned about uh, experiencing both the wealth and the financial challenges in your career. So yeah, how did you navigate the highs and lows, um, and what lessons did you learn along the way? Well, you mentioned the financial challenges, mm-hmm. and I had a tough time finding advisors that I could trust. So I went through a number of accountants, uh, a number of lawyers until I landed on a great bookkeeper, lawyer, accountant. That took quite a bit of time. So I needed to be very, very slow to hire and very quick to let go of relationships that weren't working. So that was a big lesson to learn. And then through my recent health challenges, which landed me in the hospital for about eight months, I learned a lot about resilience in terms of my own physical strength and and mental abilities, but also how rewarding it was to be able to send one email, make one phone call, and all of the financial side and the clinical side of my business or the education side of my business completely handled. So uh, I had set up the structures behind the company such that the standard operating procedures for everything in the company have been documented and everyone knew where to find those documents and everything went completely smoothly. I was very, very lucky. Wow. Lovely. So, um, I mean, you also experienced, uh, I mean, uh, with the partnerships, both personally and the professionally. So how mm-hmm. do you approach the uh, forming the partnerships and uh, what advice would you give to the entrepreneurs considering such collaborations? Well, it began as a personal partnership and uh, we shared a very similar work background and very similar client bases. And my partner had decided to go back to school. And so I picked up their clients and, and brought them on board. And as we were kind of going through an earlier transition together, we had decided to actually partner Um, We became quite busy, had to hire the kinesiologist that I was telling you about, and the business was really growing, really growing well, and I I didn't have enough help. I didn't have the financial help that I needed for the bookkeeping, for the accounting, um, in addition to my own full client load and managing new referrals and any client questions or consultant questions that came up. So I was very, very overwhelmed. And uh, the partnership just fell apart. It just didn't work. So I, my advice to people is not to partner in, in a corporate structure, but maybe collaborate uh, and or have someone who is delegated as, you know, chief cook and bottle washer and the other person would be an assistant to that person. So assuming a large role within the company, but with one owner as opposed to a legal partnership. And uh, so lesson learned moving forward. Lovely. Great. So uh, also, I mean, uh, having also been involved in the uh, legal matters, what lessons did you learn from those experiences? And how about the new entrepreneurs proactively navigate those challenges in their business? It's That's a, a great um, point of discussion, particularly for new entrepreneurs. I naively believed that accountants, lawyers, bookkeepers had a certain ethical standard, a certain ethical professional standard that they would adhere to, dictated by their their colleges and their associations, but also personally, they would have a particular moral code that they would abide by. 
not so. <laughs> so I was taken advantage of uh, in many situations because you don't know what you don't know. And you're trusting people with a, a big part of your company and your big part of your financial well-being, both personally and professionally. So I would encourage new entrepreneurs to research, to uh, speak to other customers and clients, to test new professionals with small tasks before jumping all in. Just take your time to hire these people. And as soon as something slightly feels off, let them go and, and move on. Yeah, that's lovely. So your serious uh, health condition, uh, like I, I, mm-hmm. I like in 22 and 23, uh, marked a turning point. So how did this experience shape your approach to the health and the entrepreneurship? And... Any, any advice for the entrepreneurs who are prioritizing their well-being? Yes, thank you. It was a, it was a cancer scare, very, very serious. Um, nine surgeries and an eighth-month stay in a, a large health center, very well recognized in Toronto. I received excellent care. I was able to see healthcare from the other side, the nurses, the physicians, the surgeons, the personal support workers, the um, physiotherapy and occupational therapy assistants. It was really quite something to have long discussions with them as I saw them day after day. And what I learned was that you have to be resilient in business, but also resilient with your own personal care. So to take care of yourself means that you need to focus on all of the pre-screening tests that are important to your health. Um, breast cancer screening, colon cancer screening, um, prostate screening, all of these sorts of things, blood tests, um, regular uh, evaluations of medications, all of these things to be proactive and understand that you need to act quickly if something feels a bit off. And I think I may have dismissed symptoms possibly. They weren't huge symptoms. They were just mildly irritating. And so what I would recommend to new entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are, you know, building their businesses with everything they've got, which is what we do, to make sure that they take time for themselves. I mean, it's a lesson we hear all the time, but it is very, very important to do the medical evaluations and also take time out to rest and spend time with family and friends. True. Exactly. True. So uh, here also one more thing, like um, the first line education focuses on providing the courses for the uh, cancerology and uh, exercise physiology students. Uh, So how do you ensure like your courses effectively uh, prepare the students for the workforce and uh, makes your uh, approach unique? So what I learned when I was in university was that we really needed to seek out practical experiences. They weren't part of our curricula. And from what I understand from the students that I teach today, that hasn't changed all that much. And we understand that the university curricula is just jammed. There just isn't a lot of space for practical work and and practical time in school laboratories or in the workforce to test the skills and to gel the skills that we're being taught. So when I was training the new kinesiologists, when I was bringing them on board a long time ago, that was where our emphasis was, was that practical training. And it's still true today. So we take the theory, we, you know, put it together, polish it up and say, here's what you know, 
And now let us incorporate the practical skills into that so that you really feel confident about your decision to become a qualified exercise professional, an exercise physiologist, kinesiologist, and you take that knowledge and with confidence, you can find your ideal clients and really, really feel comfortable with the onboarding of new clients to you, how you speak about the exercise and assessment experience, and that you feel comfortable that you know you can get those clients to reaching the goals that you so carefully uh, discussed with them in your early sessions. So, uh, I mean, <clears throat> scaling a business is often challenging. And so for this, what strategies have you found effective in scaling the first-line education? And also, what are the pitfalls would you advise others to avoid? So scaling is is tricky because you need to plan ahead to know when your business is going to be growing. You can anticipate, you can see it well in advance. And if you can't, if it grows suddenly, uh, you're in for some surprises for sure. So what I would suggest is have a vision in mind, anticipate where you'd like to be in terms of your revenue goals, in terms of your client load, and then plan. How are you going to find people that are going to support you? And that means bookkeeping, accounting, legal expertise. It also means having other healthcare professionals that you can bring on board. And then perhaps people to help you with marketing, sales, social media, all of the other things that we don't tend to think about that need support if our attention gets diverted someplace else. So we know we can find highly qualified exercise professionals to bring on board. We know how to assess people that kind of jive with our own values. And we want to make sure that we have a match there. So we have our own personal core values and mission statements, but we also have a professional one. And the people that we hire and bring on board have to gel with both of those. And then from there, once you have that process figured out, you can have a very solid onboarding process to make sure that no stone is left unturned with a new hire and they feel very comfortable talking about you, your company, your brand, and they know their place uh, comfortably within their, the company and uh, take some responsibility for its growth and development as well. Exactly. Great. So before we wrap up, like looking ahead, what are your aspirations for the first line education? And uh, what are the legacy do you hope to leave in the field of uh, healthcare education and the entrepreneurship? Uh, great question. So uh, in the near term, we're starting something uh, that I'm doing for the first time. It's called Movement Academy. It's a membership program. And this is to improve the practical skills for exercise professionals. We will have uh, weekly events that people can join, one of which is a three-hour practical experience and that's going to be hosted at our local college, Humber College. And that way people get networking experience and connections, which they've asked for, as well as exposure to supervised teaching of practical skills so they can just up-level their own ability to feel comfortable and confident with their skills and really assess anyone who comes through their door. In terms of a legacy, what I would like to do is have a, a comfortable relationship with colleges and universities 
so that first-line education can really become a finishing school of sorts. So we will bring on board kinesiology students, new graduates, uh, perhaps kinesiologists or exercise pros who are shifting in their careers and want to test out the clinical area. And I would like to have the reputation as a very solid educator of uh, clinical practical skills. All right. Lovely. So great. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, thank you listeners for joining on this uh, insightful conversation with Angela and Angela's journey from clinical cancerologist uh, to the founder of the first line education is the testament to the resilience required in the entrepreneurial world. And as we wrap up, we have, I, I just want to mention that we have gained the valuable insight into navigating the highs and lows of the business and also forming the partnerships, uh, making the strategic investments and overall uh, legal challenges. So Angela's unique blend of experiences offers a wealth of knowledge for the aspiring entrepreneurs and particularly in the healthcare and the uh, education sectors. So if you have found this episode inspiring, do not forget to subscribe for more conversations with thought-provoking leaders and the experts. So Angela, like, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and we uh, wish you continued success in your mission to empower the next generation of the healthcare professionals through first-line education. Thank you, Avik. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Lovely, lovely. So, so dear listeners, like entrepreneur journey are filled with the twists and turns, obviously, but uh, it's the resilience and the ability to learn uh, from the failures and that pave the way for true success. So until next time, stay resilient, stay inspired and keep chasing those uh, dreams of entrepreneurship. So thank you so much.